home or work. Go Mobile Tires? I guess we are chilling on the beach this weekend. You'll thank me. Call 702-356-3600. Call Go Mobile Tires at 356-3600. Don't call it a comeback. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, girl? my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I Coming back, I'm talking live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Finley, meanwhile, regular people had to wait in their cars for hours. This is the press box. Like they were lined up at a toll booth trying to leave New Jersey during the third quarter of a Jets game. Tyler Bischoff and Adam Candy. Or Giants game. They're both uh, both bad at football. On ESPN Las Vegas. Ed Grady is still wandering around New York. We'll talk to him a little bit later today. Uh, we are going to have quite a bit of stuff to give away today. Uh, we're going to have Golden Knights tickets. We are going to have a chance for you to win. I think it. I think we're up to $500 again in our Friday football frenzy contest. But more importantly, we have Rolling Stones tickets to give away. And ha- Jared, how are we doing this? Okay, so every rejoin, every music bed for every rejoin will either be a song by the Rolling Stones, or a song by The Who. When we come back from break, your first words out of your mouth either need to be Rolling Stones or Who, ba- The Who, based on the music. And how many ever you get correct will be the caller after Cassie Soto. So however many songs I can identify will figure out which caller we're taking. After Cassie Soto. Okay. Yes. So I got a 50% chance on every single one. So Feeling good about this. Be quick right after Cassie Soto. Be quick. So there you go. Uh, we will give away Rolling Stones tickets a little bit later in the show. And that's how we will determine the caller number. The first bite. Oh, helps if I have the right thing. Could the Giants blow the Raiders out? All right. Here's what we got. The last two years, the Raiders have been uh, in a good spot in terms of record and rest of the season schedule to make the playoffs. And both years, they have collapsed down the stretch and ended up missing the playoffs. Uh, two years ago, Raiders were six and four. They went to play the Jets and they lost 34 to three. Last year, Raiders also six and four. They went to play the Falcons and they lost 43 to six and both of those games sort of signaled the end for the Raiders despite still being six and five after both of them that was sort of the end we're a little bit earlier in the season Raiders are five and two but they are going on the road they're playing a team on the east coast a team that's not that good a team that you would expect the Raiders to beat given what they've done so far this season so Adam what are the chances this is another game like the Jets two years ago and the Falcons last season Waiting on Adam. Well, we've seen enough. I mean, we've seen enough to know that this team is different than those teams. So I'll say there's a 25 percent oh, chance. Still How high. about that? That's still that's still high. I was thinking it was lower than 25 percent. No, I think you have to. I think because of the way this crazy year has been in the NFL and the fact that we nearly saw Dan Campbell and his knee biters go into LA <laughs> and beat the Rams. Like there's a chance of course that the Raiders going all the way East to play the New York giants uh, could get themselves blown out of this game, but I don't think it happens. I don't actually think it's really all that likely. 
because this is something we attached to John Gruden. We talked about John Gruden's teams start fast and finish poorly. So we don't know what Rich Passaccia's team does. <laughs> or frankly, more importantly, we don't know what Derek Carr's team does because as much as we hear Rich Passaccia this week talking in the wake of the Henry Ruggs crash, uh, we hear Derek Carr, and it's Derek Carr who seems to be taking the real leadership role for the team overall. And I don't know that he's going to let this team walk in there and be anything other than a clearly better team. The fact that the Raiders are only three-point favorites to this New York Giants team suggests to you that the market really isn't sure either, right? The market isn't totally sure is it same old Raiders, or else I think the Raiders would be favored by a lot more. Can we make a house rule that we refer to them only as the New York football Giants? No, we may not, because <laughs> they have not earned the extra word. <laughs> you have to earn the extra word. <laughs> okay, there there are three player performances this year that stick out to me as to why this team is not going to go into New York or or anybody like the Giants and get blown out. Could they get blown out by somebody that's good? Yeah, sure, absolutely. But there's three player performances. Number one is Derek Carr. He has been very, very good this year. They lost two in a row. Derek Carr, there was some reverting back to the criticisms that Derek Carr had received in the past about not being great and under pressure in the pocket, throwing the ball away, throwing it short uh, earlier than he had to. But in their five wins, Derek Carr has been excellent. He's throwing the ball down the field, giving his receivers a shot. Uh, Pro Football Focus has him as the number five quarterback. And then defensively, and this is probably where it's a bigger deal, Max Crosby is the number two edge rusher by Pro Football Focus. He is getting more pressure than he ever has in his career to a point where Yannick Ngakwe hasn't had to be like a superstar edge rusher to be to have some sort of impact in terms of the entire team's pass rush because Crosby's been that good. And then Casey Hayward on the back end has been the best cornerback in football, according to Pro Football Focus. And yeah, they're dealing with injuries at the other cornerback spot. That is a big question. But Nate Hobbs has been good as a slot corner. Trayvon Merrick has been solid, not bad, not great as a free safety. And Jonathan Abram, now that he's playing closer to the line of scrimmage, more like a linebacker isn't one of the worst players on the defensive side of the ball. Ultimately, I think this defense, when you have Hayward and Crosby playing at that high of a level, I, I think they're too good to get blown out. They absolutely lose the Giants, but I think between those three players, they're too good to go into New York and lose by four-plus touchdowns like we've seen them do in the past. You still think it's within the realm of possibility for them to go lose this game, let's say, 24-21, though? Yeah, I mean, yes. It's... I. Like you said about the betting market, I'm not overly convinced the Raiders are like truly good. And you're coming off a week where off the field, it hasn't been great for the Raiders. And how do you deal with that going forward when you have to actually play a football game? And again, the the regret, I assume there's going to be regression at some point from the defense. I don't think Max Crosby is the second best edge, uh, best edge rusher in the NFL. Casey Hayward, is he going to stay as the number one cornerback? He might. He's had other really good seasons in his career. I think he's been a top 10 PFF cornerback uh, four or five times in his career. Granted, there's a little bit of a gap between the last time he did that and this year, but I do expect there to be a step back defensively at some point. So could that somewhat happen in this game and they lose by three or Carr, you know, reverts a little bit back like we saw a couple of weeks this season? I think it's certainly possible, but I don't think it all happens at once to where they lose 43 to six because that's, that's what happens to happen. Like, when they lost to the Falcons last year, it was one of the worst offensive performances in NFL history. 
I don't think that can happen with this team. And even if it does, I think the defense has been good enough that it would be 24 to six instead of 43 to six. I think you also have to factor in, and I know you could have said this uh, about the, the Jets and the Falcons to some degree, but I think the Giants are by far the worst of those three teams. <laughs> and if you go by uh, football outsiders, it's a little early in the year to just use DVOA. You still can use their 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 Dave metric, which weighs in preseason expectations along with what the team has done this year. And that measures down on the Raiders a little bit. Uh, has them at 19th in the league. Uh, the only team with a record similar to the Raiders that's down that far is Cincinnati at 21. The Giants are at 24. But if you look at the gap in actual percentage in those numbers, it the Giants at 24 are a hell of a lot closer to Chicago at 26 than they are to the Raiders at 2.1. So are you know the 19 minus 2.1 percent. So I think you still look at the Giants and say, if the Raiders are to regress, if Casey Hayward and Max Crosby are taking a step back. Obviously, it won't be all in one game. And even if it were somehow in one game, would it be against this Giants team that is 27th in pro football focus grade that, frankly, if you look along their uh, their stats and you say, well, is it just they're really bad in one area and really good in another? No, they're just not really good at anything. <laughs> like, the Giants really are not good at anything in particular. They beat a Sam Darnold Jets type performance when Carolina came in and they somehow came back from 11 down in New Orleans to force overtime and beat the Saints and those are the two wins that they have on the year do you believe the offensive line for the Raiders is going to improve or it kind of already has it hasn't been as bad the last couple of weeks like what do you think the actual I don't know ceiling or expectation here is for this offensive line exactly what they have been I don't see how it gets any better um, I honestly don't see how it gets much worse um, because we've seen the worst, right? We saw the worst in weeks four and five for the Raiders in terms of the offensive line. Um, you know what I find fascinating, though, about the offensive line? Last year and the year before, to some degree, we spent so much time talking about, oh, Trent Brown, the calf injuries, never coming back. Huh? We're never going to see Trent Brown again. Well, I guess we're never going to see this offensive line at full strength. Where the hell is Richie Incognito? Right, I mean, and and he's getting the, a total pass as opposed to the way Trent Brown was treated last year. Right, like Trent Brown was made out to be the scapegoat for all that was wrong with the Raiders' offensive line, and Richie Incognito hasn't gotten any of that treatment from anyone in the media or anyone else for that matter. Yeah, it's it's bizarre that because the other part about Richie Incognito, he didn't play a lot last year either. Like, this is a guy who hasn't played now two straight seasons. He's going to have missed more than half the games, assuming he doesn't come back in, what, the next two or three here for the Raiders. But that seems like a safe bet because they don't even seem to have much of an update on him. I mean, it started out as he was going to miss week one, and then all of a sudden they put him on IR, and then all of a sudden it was after the bye week, and now Rich Passaccia said, well, not yet. Not ready yet. It is it is bizarre because that would be a massive improvement for the Raiders' offensive line because Richie Incognito, well, when he's played the last few years, has been a good guard. And the Raiders right now only have one offensive lineman that's performing at even a remotely high, even an above average level. Like Colton Miller's been good. Everybody else is at the bottom of their positions basically this year. I think it, right now Alex Leatherwood and Brandon Parker are the two lowest rated offensive linemen at any offensive line position, two lowest rated by pro football focus this season. And that's your right side of the offensive line. That's your right guard and your right tackle. So, yeah, Richie, Richie Incognito, I think it's a good point, avoiding complete uh, criticism when you're talking about the comparison to Trent Brown because 
Trent Brown basically got run out of town by the fans. Like the fans were pumped to see him go somewhere else. And Richie Cagino hasn't played now for basically two whole seasons. And nobody says anything about it. Well, he got run out of town by the fans because he got run out of the building by John Gruden and Mike Mayock. I mean, they were not shy about talking about their issues with Trent Brown. And we don't hear much about Richie Incognito. So you know, I just think it's worth a mention. I'll say this much, and this is the only sunshine I can bring to the Raiders offensive line. Uh, they are still the worst graded run blocking team in the NFL at a grade of 44.5 behind the Houston Texans. Uh, that is still a 10 point improvement over where they were three weeks ago. So they have gone from, oh my God, avert your eyes to maybe I can at least peek one open and see if things are getting better. <laughs> All right, Jared, what planning do you want to do before we go to break? Okay, I wanted to ask Adam. Adam, do you also want to participate in the, I didn't even ask, uh, do you want to participate in the Rolling Stones or the Who so that we can get the caller number above single digits oh oh absolutely and by the way if you weren't planning on staying for cassie soto uh there's been a major life change that we need to talk to cassie about you need to be here for that so hold on are we doing that's one of the best teases we've ever had for cassie soto it's the only positive one are we doing cumulative so like if adam and i both get it right that's two Right. Okay. So that way it isn't caller number two. Okay. Hey, listen, 50% chance. Matt says I'll get like at least seven or eight. I brought in a ringer. His name is Adam Candy. (laughs) So I will, when we come back, I will guess first. And then Adam will guess slash answer second. (laughs) And then you'll tell us if we're both correct or both wrong or one. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Good uh, on air planning. And and before we go to break, uh, there's, there's a new free agent. His name is Odell Beckham Jr. Yes. Raiders are going to sign him, right? Bring him to Vegas. Make some fun. It'll be a, it's, start him on Sunday. Get him in there. Play him against the Giants. That is the who. That is 100% the Rolling Stones. All right. So Adam's in the lead. Oh, Adam's going to win. That's not a question. We just got to keep a put a put a tally mark yes, on the board behind you. All right. So we keep track of what number here. Uh, we are giving away Rolling Stones tickets later in the day throughout the show. Jared's playing songs by either the Who or the Rolling Stones. I have to try to guess who it is. Adam, I assume, is going to know every single one of these. And the amount we both get correct is going to determine which caller we take to win those Rolling Stones tickets. So far, I'm 0 for 1. Feeling good about it. Feeling good. Uh, the Golden Knights. Not only did they trade for Jack Eichel yesterday, they beat the Ottawa Senators 5-1, to one, and it is only the third game. They played 10 times this year, only the third time this season. The Golden Knights had more expected goals than their opponent in all situations, which is a pretty good way to underscore how many struggles they have had because normally the Golden Knights have a higher expected goals than their opponents. The past, pretty much the entire franchise history They've uh, done a very good job of dominating the expected goals numbers. But I want to ask you this, Adam, looking towards the short-term future, the next month or so here until they start getting healthy with their top players, what do you think is more important for this team? To get great goaltending or, you know, at least some bailout saves? Robin Leonard made a handful of great saves last night. Or is it more important that they get goals from guys like Brett Howden and William Carrier, who both scored last night, which one of those is more likely to lead to success for the next four weeks or so? 
if you follow hockey from any level, you know that one of those things is predictable and one of those things is not. Uh, you ultimately need to score goals. Uh, you can't ask Robin Leonard to be... Uh, God, there's only one phrase you're allowed to use when you describe this. Can't ask him to stand on his head <laughs> every night. Um, yes, he will make some great plays like he did last night. That diving save was outstanding uh, when he stopped the puck from sliding across. And I think when you look at the Golden Knights and say, okay, right now they've scored 26 goals uh, in 10 games. Only the Canucks have scored less in the division. They've allowed 35 goals and uh, 31 goals, I should say. Uh, and only the Ducks and the Kraken, both who've played one more game, have allowed more. Uh, so which of those do you try to cut off? If, if you're me with the Golden Knights, you've got to be able to get some goals from those other lines because scoring is predictable. You just talked about the expected goals. Well, the expected goals is largely because of the chances that they created. Yeah, Robin Leonard stopped a bunch. But remember, it was only about a week ago that we said that Robin Leonard had faced the second most expected goals in all of hockey. He's first um, now, by the way. Oh, God. Um <laughs> Yeah, so you you need to be able to put some goals on the board. Yeah, and that is because here's the thing: even if Robin Leonard is awesome and tries to steal a game and you know gives up the one goal to Ottawa last night, if you don't get any goal scoring, you still lose the game. Like you still lose that game one nothing if nobody else scores for the Golden Knights. So the goal scoring is is what's going to be important. I will say on the side of Leonard though, Golden Knights are still as a team allowing the most expected goals, high danger chances, scoring chances per minute of any team in the NHL. So if we're trying to figure out what's going to happen for them to win, they're probably going to need both. Like I agree with you, the scoring is more important, but they're probably going to need both in a lot of these games to try to stay right at 500 because they're still giving up a ton of chances. Even last night, the Golden Knights had more you know, overall shots and had a few more scoring chances, but Ottawa still had more what was classified as high danger chances than the Golden Knights did last night in all situations. So they're they're probably going to need both of those things to actually win a lot of these games. Fortunately, when you play like the Ottawa Senators, you got a better chance to get both. Uh, but they're probably going to need both of those things to win some games because they're just they're not that good at the moment. Like it's just it it's a bad hockey team at the moment. I don't know if I would even go as far as to say it's bad. I think they're mediocre, and I think they're right at that point where. This team is going to be largely having its outcomes determined by who they play. Uh, if they put out the kind of effort they did against Ottawa, they're going to beat bad teams. Uh, and thankfully for them, they're going to see a couple more bad teams uh, before the schedule changes at all for them. I mean, realistically, what are you going to see here? Montreal, Detroit, Seattle, Minnesota, Vancouver. And then what's the first game you really have some concern about? Carolina on, on the 16th? Probably. Like, and then you're going to see Detroit a second time, Columbus. Like the schedule is, by most measures, really soft for the Golden Knights for a while here, for the next three weeks. And if they can't take advantage of that, then I think you smash that panic button and say, okay, uh, now they've dug themselves a hole that's going to be hard to get out of. The Golden Knights are still the only team in the NHL to have not scored a power play goal this season. They got one chance last night, did not cash in. Uh, however, they are seventh in expected goals per minute on the power play this year. They are generating shots and scoring chances at a, you know, above average level on the power play this season. They're just simply not scoring. So I, I am curious when we look big picture at the Golden Knights coaching staff, Dave Shane joined us earlier this week. He brought up the idea of, hey, when does Pete DeBoer need to take a hard look at Steve Spot, who's been 
you know, his one of his main assistants for most of his coaching career. Like, when do you take a look at, okay, what's wrong with the power play? And I'm curious, what are your thoughts on it? Because I think it'd be easy just this season to look at it and say, well, they're creating chances, but William Carlson's injured. Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, all the, all these big names are out. It's really hard to expect the power play to score when Keegan Colasar is playing significant minutes on it or something like that. But at the same time, the power play hasn't just been an issue this season. It was an issue in the postseason. They weren't really that good last regular season either. So how should we be judging Steve Spot and the coaching staff when it comes to the Golden Knights power play? Softly. Uh, ultimately, um, we should not be judging them terribly harshly considering who's out there right now. Seriously. Um, you know, Dave Gosher on the broadcast last night brought up the fact that this is not the first over 19 that the Golden Knights have had in terms of power play chances. The, that actually uh, matches a record for the franchise. So uh, look at who's out there right now. Should they have probably lucked into one at this point when you have the seventh highest <laughs> expected goals on the power play? Yeah. Yeah, you probably should have, but obviously they haven't. Um, and they're treading water right now, even without it. Look, as as rough as it looks right now for the Golden Knights, they've won four of their last five, and the one that they lost was to a clearly, clearly better team at the beginning of this road trip. So I can't really smash the panic button on the Golden Knights or on the power play at this point. All it's going to take is one game where they have two and then all of a sudden we're going to say, yep, yeah, everything's all right. I think you say to the players that you're panicking if you move Steve Spot off those responsibilities. I think the interesting part will be when they are closer to fully full uh, health, how does the power play look? Because it was, I mean, listen, if they score more power play goals last year in the postseason, they might get through Montreal. They might have been in the Stanley Cup if they could have found a way to score in the power play. So that's what I'm curious because it hasn't been good before this season either so when they get all these guys back what does it look like and probably more importantly what does it look like in the postseason assuming they get Eichel Carlson Pacioretty Stone all those guys back for the postseason if the power play still sucks like it's probably not going over 19 but if it's you know one or two for 20 or something like that that's I think when the conversation comes in because oh look the team is at full health coming up well, next well, oh go ahead go yeah, ahead yeah, no just to put uh, put a capper on it you just put four names out there yeah. Eichel, Stone, Pacioretty, and Carlson. Add Petrangelo, and that's your number one power play unit. Yeah, they're good, or should be good, but we'll see if they do it in the postseason. Coming up next, Benjamin Brown joins us from Pro Football Focus. Play action, bootleg out to the right for Josh Johnson. Throws on the run. Moore makes the catch at the five. Right side of the end zone. He's in for a jet touchdown. Shotgun for Johnson. He drops the throw. Slant right into the end zone. Caught Ryan Griffin. Touchdown. Johnson in the shotgun. Third down and five at the 22 of the Colts. Back to throw again. Floats one over the middle. Ty Johnson makes the catch. Breaks a tackle at the five. Dives right side. End zone. Touchdown. Johnson is the back to the right of Johnson, the quarterback. He scans left. The ball's batted down at the line of scrimmage. Tipped up in the air. And the Colts pick it up. And they get an interception off the tip drill around the 11-yard line with Bobby O'Karake. Oh, I know this one. I know this. This is the who. I know. So this is from CSI. Oh, wow. You really gave him an easy one there. Yes, it's the who. Uh, uh, ben Brown is with us from PFF. Ben, we are giving away Rolling Stones tickets. Uh, and as a way to determine what caller number, we're playing either a who song or a Rolling Stones song. And I've got to try to guess which one it is. 
Uh, would you like to take a guess to help us run up the caller number we're going to have? Oh, boy. I mean, I'll probably guess wrong, but I'm willing. I'm always willing to give it a go, that's for sure. All right. Who do you think? Who's this song by? Rolling Stone. That's okay. Ah. We got two. That's all right. I'm I'm with you. We got two. Add two <laughs> We're to up the to board, caller Jared. number three now. Yes, we are. So, Ben Brown with us from Pro Football Focus. I do want to start with the Raiders here. They're going on the road. They're playing the Giants, coming off a bye week. Uh, they're favored by three, three and a half. Should the Raiders be favored by more, or do you think it's fair that there's still some hesitancy about how good this team is? Yeah, I mean, I think they are better than what the betting market has kind of indicated so far. I see some value on them as a field goal differential. Uh, obviously, we're not taking in, you know, any, like, outside concerns. Obviously, they've had, you know, an insane week from, you know, a non-betting perspective. But I think that they still are a much better team than what the Giants are. We have them 12th overall, 12th overall in the ELO rankings. Giants at 26. So, I think Derek Carr's been playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL uh, they've kind of weathered other storms so far, so I do expect them to probably be able to win by at least a field goal. Of course, there's a little bit of hesitancy uh, with the push probability, but I still think that the Raiders are definitely the correct side here on Sunday. You know, we talked, Ben, uh, about Devontae Adams and, and what he meant to the spread when he was out against Arizona for Green Bay, and we're back to talking about a non-quarterback a lot with Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans who are going to go and play the Rams. You can find Tennessee as big as a seven and a half point dog in this game. Uh, do you feel like we're maybe overreacting to the loss of Derrick Henry for Tennessee? Um, not entirely. I mean, they did basically, I think it kind of moved uh, through seven, which I do think is, a, you know, the second most valuable number uh, on the betting spread perspective. So moving from like minus six opening the week up to seven and a half, I think is a really significant move. Um, I would say it's a little bit overvalued based on, you know, any running back potentially missing missing some time. Obviously, Derrick Henry is like the one outlier. Um, but in this matchup, uh, Rams defense that's really good, especially the interior that basically the best player in the NFL and Aaron Donald, capable of slowing down Derrick Henry. I do still think this had to be a performance where Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown and Julio Jones kind of put the passing game uh, together, were able to kind of take advantage of spots where Jalen Ramsey wasn't able to kind of cover the whole field. So I do still think that's, the only way that the Titans are going to be successful. So getting them out at seven and a half, um, I think it's just a little bit of a value opportunity on them. I don't think they necessarily miss Derrick Henry in this particular matchup uh, as much as the betting market is probably corrected right now. So on Derrick Henry and the potential that he's more valuable than any other running back when it comes to the spread, is it a matter since he's been so healthy and doesn't usually miss time? Is it a matter if we just need to see Tennessee without him to really accurately gauge what he should be worth? Yeah, I mean, in some ways, I think, you know, the ceiling for how important a running back can even be, obviously Derrick Henry is at that ceiling, but there are, you know, a number of people that can potentially fill in and at least be uh, somewhat productive. Obviously, they're not going to be at, like, the breaking tackles capability, able to run away from defenders in the same way that Derrick Henry was able to. But, you know, Adrian Peterson is a guy who at least has been that running back prior. Obviously, he's not going to be up to his MVP caliber numbers that he was at in 2011, but he still offers the ability uh, to gain positive yards if the run blocking is there. Um, So I think if there was any running back that really mattered toward the spread, it would be Derrick Henry, but they have enough guys in place where it's still going to come down to how productive they are through the air with Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown and Julio Jones and, you know, some of the auxiliary receivers that they have available. So I think they're still in a decent spot. Um, I think 
Uh, the Titans are probably just a little bit undervalued overall in the betting market, so I definitely think they are the correct side here on Sunday. Ben Bound from Pro Football Focus joining us here on the Press Box. Uh, ben, what do you expect out of Jordan Love this week for the Green Bay Packers? Uh, we know that uh, you know the Packers are probably not all that upset to ha- at least have an opportunity to see what Jordan Love looks like in a real game here, knowing that the uncertainty is there with Aaron Rodgers' future next year. Yeah, definitely. And I agree with that statement uh, 100%. I do think getting him in some live action, able to actually review his performance outside of the preseason is something that they wanted to have happen at some point. They've won some games that, you know, even like last week, the betting market didn't expect them to win. So I think this is almost a little bit of a free roll for them. I do think Jordan Love can be able to come out play relatively loose. He's going to have, you know, the majority of the weapons back. Devontae Adams is going to be back. So um, I expect some early growing pains, but they are a team that I think if they get down uh, in the first half, I kind of like them playing on the second half line. I also lean a little bit more towards the under happening. I know that has moved down almost to the same amount that the spread has. I think it was at like 53 and a half on the look headline, now down to 48. So five and a half points. I still think that has a little bit, uh, you know, more ways to go especially with how the Chiefs offense has performed. But I'm kind of looking at it uh, as a slower-paced game to start. Uh, Maybe maybe Jordan Love gets a little bit comfortable, but I don't think it's going to be the shootout that we all expected here heading into the week for sure. I'm curious your thoughts on uh, the New Orleans Saints here. They're playing Atlanta. They're at home. Uh, I think it's six and a half right now. No Jameis Winston. Taysom Hill looks like he's going to be back. Like what, What do you make of their quarterback situation and what that should mean for the spread? Yeah, I do anticipate we're going to see Taysom Hill in on, you know, 60-75% of the quarterback snaps. I don't think it's going to be a Trevor Simeon-type game. Um, I think they're going to be really relying on, you know, Taysom Hill's, you know, pass, you know, rushing ability, kind of getting some of those RPO actions, having them roll out a lot more. That's kind of what we saw how them play last year in 2020. So we do have, you know, at least some data on how this offense is going to look with Taysom Hill at quarterback. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be nearly as productive. Thankfully, they do have one of the, the best defenses in the NFL. Uh, really, really, really solid secondary. Marshawn Latimer is kind of returning to his rookie season performance. Has been one of the best coverage cornerbacks in the NFL. Um, and with no, you know, no Kelvin Ridley for Atlanta, they're going to rely heavily on Kyle Pitts. I do think you know they're going to have some Marshawn Latimer, Kyle, Kyle Pitts type matchups. If he's limited, I do think that the, um, if he's taken a, you know out of the equation, I do think that. Uh, the Falcons are going to have a really difficult time keeping this within a t- touchdown differential. So I still buy into the Saints. Um, I think Sean Payton's capable of putting Taysom Hill in you know positive expected value situations to the point where they're going to be productive enough offensively uh, to kind of keep the Falcons at bay. So I like I kind of lean toward the Saints here. Anything before uh, a touchdown differential, but it's not really a heavy play uh, for my personal bankroll right now. So we look at the. Kansas City Chiefs, Ben, and I know that early in the year, you and I both were chasing them live. I I, I managed to <laughs> go ahead and chase them live again against the Giants uh, and, you know, uh, once again came to regret it. Um, what has to change with Kansas City? What would you have to see with Kansas City before you would be comfortable putting any money near them right now? Yeah, that is a really good question. I even, you know, we talked about it last week, and I did say, you know, if they get down to – you know, a six-point differential against the Giants. That's the spot where I'm going to buy in. I did buy in. Uh, once again, it didn't work out for me. Um, I think it's just – it's a really difficult thing to to compare, right? Because they have been really productive still offensively when they haven't had the turnovers. They've been really good at scoring, moving the football, 
Um, it's just been these really high variant situations that are really, you know, they appear random in the data set that we are looking at. So it's really hard to not overvalue the Chiefs. So I think it's almost just like we need to take a pause. We need to make sure that they can do it against a couple different teams. And maybe it's a spot where you almost are waiting until if they get into the playoffs and they have, you know, nothing else to lose, they absolutely have to win. Maybe that's the time where you can start backing them again. But I'm definitely not confident uh, in their seven-and-a-half-point spread this weekend, even facing off against Jordan Love. And I don't know uh, how drastic that would have to move in-game in order for me to feel comfortable right now. I kind of, you know, because if that happens, if they do start out slow, um, I think, you know, the pressure continues to mount and we could see similar performances to what we saw previously. So I'm just not at all comfortable back in the Chiefs this weekend. I need to see it probably for the next couple of weeks in order to really try to buy back into them and try and uh, recoup some of my early season losses. All right, give us a fun prediction here. Uh, PFF just tweeted this out. Odell Beckham, next team odds. Raiders, plus 350. Ravens, plus 400. Saints, plus 450. Bills and Patriots, plus 500. Where do you think he ends up? I think the Raiders, and I think that's a really good landing spot for him. Um, And I think it's a really good landing spot for the Raiders. They are obviously on the verge of being a playoff team, so I like them. Um, as the as the favorite, and I do think they should probably be more of a heavier favorite. They honestly didn't consult me when setting those lines, and they probably should have, because I would have made the Raiders uh, probably close to like plus 200 or even plus 175. So I like where that's at, and I do think his fit uh, with Derek Carr could help both um, individuals perform a lot better here uh, for the rest of the season. Well, he is Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Ben, we appreciate your time this morning. Yep, thank you. Have a great show. So there is Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Um, All right, so first off, uh, Gabe on Twitter asks, what's the spread on this press box rejoin uh, music challenge? Adam, you told him it's off the board because it's too big of a mismatch? I don't know that any book would reasonably take action on this. There's no way. You could make yourself like a seven and a half uh, point or whatever favorite. That's what I'm saying is that there's no way the book would take it because the book would look at it and say, no, 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 no. Like we, we know what we know what Tyler's opportunities are here. Uh, we, we realize that we're probably not going to take a whole lot of action on Tyler and, and all the sharps are just going to pound at him. Well, listen, Stephen, our greatest listener from Australia, said that he had me getting zero and he's already out. So <laughs> I'm rolling here. I am blowing up everybody's bets here on how many I'd get right because of CSI. You guys can all thank CSI for that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Us like me thinking you watched television. That was that was a real like yeah, real bad bet by me. Yeah, what's that guy's name who put the sunglasses on? David Caruso. Was that the actor or the character? Oh my god! Just let's just coming up next. I don't know what we're doing. Jared's got control of the show. No, Raiders. I went to Raiders Eagles. I went to UNLV San Jose State, and I went to the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, which one was the best? Homerism uh, aside, I mean, pro football is my favorite sport. So the Eagles game was the best, even though they they got destroyed. UNLV was the only one who would credential me. Um, the 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 NFL said no; they didn't have enough space. There was plenty of space in the press box. Um, yeah, I believe that. And uh, the the Golden Knights did not even respond. Yeah. So like at least the the I, and like honestly, I you know, like. So so hockey is now past the please like our sport thing. Because... I was going to say, like, of all the things that could happen, like, if you're toting up the most embarrassing thing that happened to you after a week in Las Vegas, I would say getting big-timed by an NHL expansion team. Like, that's a tough one to wear. Oh, man. 50-50 shot. 
It's the Rolling Stones. That is 100% the Who. <laughs> oh, gosh. Add one tally mark. All right. Let's go. Add a tally mark. We're up to four. We're going to give away Rolling Stones tickets uh, around 930. And at the moment, it will at least be caller number four. I've got to try to guess how many or if it's the Who or if it's the Rolling Stones every time we come back from break. And so far, I have gotten one. Adam is a perfect three, four, three. Uh, all right, Jared. Okay. It's your time to shine. So that coming back was from uh, the Distraction podcast um, by Defector, friends of the show. that We have them on all the time. But that was Dan McQuaid, who had the rare opportunity to see a, a Raiders game at Allegiant Stadium, a UNLV game at Allegiant Stadium, and a Vegas Golden Knights game all in one weekend. And uh, his reviews of... Uh, well, okay, I got a little more sound that I'm going to play you guys real quick. But they definitely... I, the like, I, I contacted like I contacted a hockey reporter I did not know and was like, hey, like we like follow each other on Twitter. And I was like, hey, you know, do you happen to have the Golden Knights thing? The person I emailed didn't respond. And I'm guessing it's just like an old, like, you know, note. So, and she was like, oh, let me ask. And she, she found the name. And then I emailed this person. And I was like, all right, this is going to get me a credential. No. No, no response. <laughs> they're no ordinary um, expansion team, though, because... Yes, they're good, but it's still like, come on, man. It's, all right, so my first question is, of the things, as media members, is the least surprising thing ever that UNLV went, what is it? Defector? Sure. <laughs> yes, UNLV will credential you. If you apply for a media credential, UNLV will let you in. That is the least surprising thing of that story. I was honestly surprised the Raiders wouldn't let him in, considering, I mean, it's national. It's a national blog. Yeah, probably set in their ways. At least they responded. That's a positive for them. All right, final piece of sound, and this one's a little bit longer, but uh, I, I do want your guys' reaction to this. Vegas, the the Golden Knights, there's, there's a lot of things. There was a lot of things going on. Um, they have, like, I'm not sure, like seven teams of babes who dance like during <laughs> during the game, one of which was like this things, you know, like the I, I'm sure there's a term for them, but I don't know. Those like flamingo casino women who like wear the big feathers like on their head and like like classic uh, showgirls. Like showgirls. showgirls. Yeah, 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 like classic Vegas showgirls. Right. Oh, yeah. That is the term showgirl. And they dance to a song like I thought. You know how, like, sometimes, like, a basketball team will have a dance team, and it's, like, old people or fat people. Yeah. And it's, like, ha, 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 look at these people. I thought this was, like, a gag showgirl thing. They danced to uh, – they were all wearing, like, weird masks. They danced to a song from Austin Powers 3, and it was, like, some of the worst dancing I've ever seen. And I'm, like, a terrible dancer. Really? No rhythm. So it was so strange. Like – I don't know if this is the show at the Flamingo. I guess I should have gone to try to see it. What is he describing there? Did I miss something the last two, several times I went to a Golden Knights game? They have showgirls behind the glass for pregame warm-ups. Okay, but are they bad at dancing? I don't know. I've never paid attention to them dancing. <laughs> that's, the, that's my thing. So, basically, we have three reviews, and the, the highlight of the UNLV review is, I was credentialed. Well, uh, yes, that is the highlight. The highlight of the Eagles-Raiders game was the Eagles got crushed. And the highlight of the Golden Knights game 
was, no one would reach out to me. I don't know who to talk to. Why are these showgirls dancing so poorly? Is it is this good or is this worth the one million dollars we're getting per year by getting our name mentioned in uh, national press? No, not at all. Um, Adam, if you were ranking which just regular season sporting event in Vegas to go to, would you pick Raiders or Golden Knights as number one? I probably would pick Golden Knights. I think Golden Knights is still overall for the experience. Like the Golden Knights really do try to give you two and a half hours of entertainment when you go to that game. I, I think that, you know, the fact that the TV timeouts are far less onerous than they are with the NFL uh, <laughs> is also a factor in that. That is actually just sports comparison in general. NHL TV timeout, it's it's pretty nice compared to the rest of our sports. You get three a period, and hell, they don't even do it. If you score a goal, they won't let you go to TV timeout. If you take an icing, they won't let you go to TV timeout. Like, it's pretty strict, too, where every other sport's like, yep, we, we're just going to go now. We're just taking it whenever we're taking it, and guess what? We're doing it again in 35 seconds, so deal with it. I, I'm with you. I think just if it's just regular season game, I think Golden Knights games are more fun. The, the Raiders have done, they, they've had some concerts at halftime. Like they've had some good entertainment as well, but I do think the Golden Knights still give you a better overall entertainment factor than just a Raiders game does. Yeah, I can't see where you're voting uh, for Raiders just based on what the NFL sets up for you in the first place, right? Going to an NFL game not only is super expensive, but it's also not always better than the tv watching experience yeah i to steal this take from mike ramala because he's now ruined me he, he's he's told me multiple times like i can't watch one nfl game at a time like it's it's a t from a tv product standpoint one nfl game at a time it's not really good and being in person it's probably worse than the actual tv product like it's the most popular sport here but when you're not watching red zone or at least two games on two screens at a time not really ideal. Like, they don't do a whole lot for most of the game. There's a lot of Carson Wentz standing around looking, saying, what's going on, guys? I'm playing the Jets? Who the hell is Josh Johnson?